Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local, or national, but doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets the Daily Show meets C-SPAN, so let's get this show started. to a very special edition of Ballots and Brews. It is our final show before Election Day, if you can believe it or not. And tonight is pretty jam-packed. Uh, we've got city council candidates. We have uh, one of the candidates from District 3, Regina Platt, as well as one of the candidates from District 5 that we just couldn't fit on last week's show, Ariane Davis. We're so excited to have her. Um, and we have a candidate from District 7, Neil Dobler. Um, so three different candidates on tonight. Lots to get to. Um, but first, uh, before we get to any of that, we are going to start like we always do, which is with beer. Uh, so tonight, we are so excited to welcome back our buddy Wes Thulin with Traffman Sales. Wes, thanks for, for hanging out here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been a little while since we talked. You know, last time we talked, we were still still pandemicking pretty hard, and so we were still in the, the midst of all that. So how things been going for, for business for you lately? Oh, you know, it, it honestly seems like it's it's back to pre-pandemic um, type of business. I mean, the pantry buying in 2020 was was uh, difficult for us because of trying to control inventory. Um, and, uh, you know, now everything seems to be back to normal. The bars and restaurants are full capacity. Uh, the only issue we're currently having is, as most of you are aware of, the, uh, the, the pipeline shortage going on and the glass shortage. Um, and that's, uh, we've been able to manage through that, but it will be an issue just, just for, your, for people listening. It, there will be an issue with that for the, uh, for the rest of this year, the glass shortage. So um, we're, we're on a strict allocation set from the, from the brewery. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure uh, liquor and wine is in the same boat. So um, just kind of be aware of that. As you know, I, I, uh, I hate to say it, but you know, you might have some people out there learn how to make glass pretty quick. If you tell people that there might be a shortage on their beer and wine, there's going to be some amateur <laughs> glass makers out there pretty quick. <laughs> right? <laughs> like I might, I might look some stuff up. I'm sure there's a YouTube video out there that I can watch. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's crazy. It's well, and you know, too, you know, we, as I think about things, you know, in the state, the, the state's gone, gone through some changes with, uh, with liquor laws and, and things like that too. And it's, it's looking at, you know, potentially more in the future. Has that, has that had any impact on you guys at all? You know, every year they're looking at different, different laws. You know, Kansas is, in my opinion, a little bit behind on, on a lot of their laws. Um, the ABC is very strict when it comes to, um, a lot of different things that we, that we try to do. Um, like I've noticed already in other States, you can, you can get deliveries, um, from liquor stores and we've yet to pass that. I think that'd be kind of a cool idea. Um, and so, yeah, each year, you know, new, new rules come out or new laws come out and we have to kind of relearn, uh, how to follow them. So to speak. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, for folks us out there, you know, there's information out there. The legislature actually has a, a committee they're putting together to uh, kind of review um, our, our alcohol liquor laws uh, more, in more detail too to see what other changes might be coming. I know that that delivery was one of the things that 
found they talked about that a lot of people are really interested in. So I'll be interested to see what the what the legislature comes up with in the next term. Maybe we're maybe we're on the verge of maybe loosening things up a little bit. Maybe slowly, slowly but surely getting there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So we should we should know too. Yeah. We of course we're in the midst. Actually, probably finishing um, October fest season right now. Getting ready for fall and winter. So yeah. What are the, the new things to watch for? What are the, the new things coming out that people should be looking for? Yeah, we're kind of wrapping up Oktoberfest or fall seasonals. Um, you know, this week right now, we're shipping out uh, uh, winter seasonals and Christmas beers. I know it sounds weird, but we're, we're <laughs> shipping those out this week. Well, yeah. today feels like it. Uh, but yeah, we're starting to ship out winter seasonals. So as, as you as you go to your, your liquor stores or, or uh, grocery stores or bars or whatever, you'll start to see um, winter seasonals hitting the shelf this, this week. Um, and so... If you if you do love Oktoberfest, you might you might snag some quickly because they're gonna start to go away here in the next week or two. So, um, but yeah, just a uh, a couple of beers that that I I think are kind of interesting right now. Odell just released two new beers. One's called uh, Hazer Tag, and it's um it's a hazy IPA. Yes. And um and then they've got another one called Sip and Tropical, and it's a um it's a kettle sour, so it's like a it's a tart. Uh, but it's a passion fruit pineapple tangerine tart and so uh, we just released those this week um, both are really really good so if you got a hop head that likes hops you got hazer tag and you got some, if you got a sour drinker that likes uh, you know yeah. a little bit more tart in their beer you've got a couple options there and then um, you know next week we're, we're shipping out my favorite Sierra Nevada celebration uh, that's that comes out every every year for the winter, and then tall grass vanilla bean buffalo sweats another popular coming out next week. Oh, that sounds that sounds so good. I think I need that. I think I need to try that one. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it's, it, you know, it's so funny. It's just like everything else. You know, we move right from October and all that to Christmas. Like, I want to know when the Thanksgiving beers come out. Like, when does Thanksgiving get its own kids do? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's weird in the beer industry. We are a lot like, um, uh, almost like your, your, your Walmart, when you walk in July and there's, there's school supplies out, you know, we, we, we get our Oktoberfest out in August and we ship our winter's beer out in October and in spring comes in January. It's, it's just, it's, uh, it's weird, but that's how it's always been. That's oh, that's funny. That's, that's really funny. Well, and you know, of course, we're always looking out for folks who that are are on a budget. And so, you know, as people are planning, either planning for some some smaller get-togethers or that sort of thing. You know, are there some deals that people can get right now, or some things that people should be on the lookout for? Yeah, you know, most uh, most stores, especially the bigger box stores, are now have kind of like a little closeout section. I call it a closeout section, but it's you know discounted beers. Um, you know, most stores have those now. Cause I'm the same way. I'm, I'm always looking in those sections too, when I'm in there, just to see if there's something in there that's, that's, uh, you know, more budget friendly, but yeah. Um, and usually those beers are going to be close dated, you know, they're not oh, sure. out of date, but, but they're close or, um, or like, for instance, you may see Oktoberfest next week just because, uh, the distributor was heavy on it and they want to launch their winter seasonal. Uh -huh. Um, think of think of it like you're buying, you know, a coat in March. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's still fine. It's just uh, they need to they need to move on to the new uh, the new item. So 
that's uh, that's always a good way to, to find a deal. Awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna take it, but now I'm gonna go do some do some stocking up on some some closeout sales. That's that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you mentioned of course think, thinking ahead, and you know, before we know it, it's gonna be January in 2022. And so, you know, are there any uh, kind of if you had a kind of crystal ball looking into the future and looking at trends that you've been watching, you know, anything that that we think will be happening in a new year that people should be uh, keeping a lookout for? Yeah, you know, I'll know a little bit more next week. Next week, I sit through week-long meetings with all the all the breweries, and they tell us what's getting launched um, in 2022. But um, I think what, what we're seeing right now, and we think it'll continue into 2022, is a few things. One is the, the style-specific sampler packs. Like, um, like, for instance, it'll be an all-IPA variety pack or oh, nice. an all-sour yeah. IPA pack, you know, et cetera, because I think the variety variety packs. Uh, I think people are now gravitating towards certain styles and they would like a full array of that in a pack rather than having, you know, let's say you're a, you're a hop head, you love IPAs, but they put a porter in there and, you know, so we're seeing that. And I think that's going to continue to grow. The other thing that's interesting right now is the, uh, the non-alcoholic category. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of like really good non-alcoholic craft beers um, that are out right now for the people that are either taking a break or cutting back or maybe have just uh, given up, uh, you know, alcohol for a time frame or whatever. Um, these beers all taste, they taste like beer. I don't know how they do it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, uh, so that we're seeing, um, a, a big lift in that. And then, um, another one is kind of interesting is like hard kombuchas as well. We're starting to see some hard kombuchas. Yeah. If, you, if you've ever had just regular kombucha, uh, or starting to see some alcoholic kombuchas, um, coming out. And uh, I think we're going to see a shift into this. We're already seeing it now, but this better for you category of kind of gluten free or lower calories. Uh, um, I've even heard a rumor that there's a big brewery coming out next year that was able to 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 um, design a beer that was uh, like gluten free and like 70 calories, like something crazy like that. So. I think you're going to see that better for you category continue to grow. Oh, wow. See, that's, that's, that's good to know. Cause I like right now, like I'll grab like a Michelob and be like, I'm being good. It's like the salad of beer. So like, it's good yeah. to know, <laughs> good to know there's options out there. So I can still, you know, have my beer, but feel at least feel like I'm being healthy. I know I do the same. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. I think it's kind of cool that, um, you know, these breweries are adapting and usually your trends are set by the younger category you're 21 to 28 year olds and those as we know at this point are, are more uh you know health conscious and so um it's, it's just kind of cool to see the breweries adapt to that yeah well and, and hand to god i had never seen non-alcoholic beer in my life until a couple of weeks ago and i was like oh that's kind of cool yeah they're good i mean it's crazy i don't know how they do it they taste just like uh just like a like an, an IPA and, and yeah. it's, it's bizarre, but yeah, that's uh, it's a thing now. That's wild. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And those, those, uh, those sampler packs too. So I am, I never heard the term hop head by the way, but it would totally describe me uh, because I, I do like my hops. I do like IPAs. So those, yeah, those, those specific sampler packs are pretty awesome. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I like the idea of just sticking to more specific styles. I think there's uh 
I think there's more of a, I call it a no vote where you see a variety <laughs> pack and like back to the, the situation I told you earlier, we, I don't really like darker, darker beers. So yeah. if there's one in there, I just vote won't buy it. So I think doing, you know, style specific is, is the way to go. Yeah. Well, awesome. And, and uh, pretty cool. You get to spend a, a week with brewers just talking about their new, their new beers for next year. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. That's a pretty good gig. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. That's it's one of my favorite times of the year. And in fact, I'll I'll be more than happy to jump on uh, maybe late November or December and kind of talk about what's coming in 2022. But I'll I'll know a little bit more next week. Awesome. Well, very cool. Well, we'll do some do some good work for us. They represent us well. <laughs> I will. Awesome. <laughs> uh, well, and of course, uh, folks out there listening, you know, we should remind you that you can follow uh, Topeka Beer on um, uh, uh, Twitter and Facebook uh, to keep up with uh, Wes and their updates from Strathman as well. They've got lots of great uh, updates on their things that are coming out. So it's a great way to, to stay tuned with what's happening in the beer world in Topeka. Uh, Wes, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime, Angela. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and for folks listening out there, go ahead and stay tuned. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, but then after that, we will start our, our candidate palooza that we have tonight with candidates from uh, City Council's Districts 3, 5, and 7. You are listening to Bouts and Brews here on KSF 75 Live Radio. Seven Eight Five Magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now, and we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at seven eight five live dot com. And thanks for tuning in. All right, folks. Well, we are kicking off our last night of City Council candidate chats with our candidates from Districts 3 and 7, along with a bonus candidate from uh, District 5 that we just couldn't quite fit in last week. Uh, that's what happens when you have three people running for the same office. So we're excited that, that she could join us as well. We're going to start off tonight talking about the District 3 race. Uh, City Council District 3, for those who might be unfamiliar, uh, that comprises a good chunk of East Topeka. And includes uh, parts of the Oakland neighborhood, a, a small part of Highcrest, and even stretches to include the Stormont Event Center downtown. Uh, so quite a wide-ranging district. There are two candidates running for this seat, the incumbent Sylvia Ortiz and her challenger Regina Platt. We are so excited to start off uh, by having Regina with us tonight. Regina, thanks for hanging out. Well, hello, everyone. Yeah, we're so glad that you could be here. So, yeah, as we get started off, can you tell folks just a little bit about yourself, your background, kind of what you do for a living, that sort of thing? Uh, well, as you all know, my name is Regina Platt. Uh, I grew up here in Topeka, Kansas. My family moved here approximately, I was like fourth grade, right? Still a little bit of nothing. Um, I have, I grew up here on the east side. My family still owns the house right across from the Abbott, Juan Abbott uh, Community Center, which now is the Boys and Girls Club, the Teen Club. Um, and so I have watched a lot in the neighborhood for my myself right so this part of me just did not begin to reveal itself I've always been that person that was willing to step out and stand up for those who have been silenced right um, and so moving through our season of COVID-19 where a lot began to be revealed um, 
about what had not been done in the city, about the pains, the traumas we have been uh, affected by, by uh, begin to get spark me, right? Either you're going to murmur and complain or you're going to get up and do something about it. Fanny uh, May talked about how she was sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? right. And, and sometimes when we get sick and tired, either we could become complacent and get stuck or we show up. Um, so I made the decision that I would step out. Um, my experiences in uh, juvenile corrections, uh, not only juvenile corrections, working in PRTFs, um, working with youth. I've, I've loved youth. I've loved uh, being with those that others have chosen not to be with, right? Or not to invest in uh, because I see so much in them. I used to be that girl. And so um, I just found that if I wanted our young people to see something different and to see how wonderful they are, you know, when you look at the city as a whole, um, I would look at Topeka and I see it as a kingdom, right? And inside a kingdom, we have these world changers that are full of potential, right? And people be like, oh, you thinking so big? Like, why are you going that far? Because inside of each of these houses within this city, within this state, there are solutions. There are monumental movements. There are people that are going to be pathfinders, creators, world changers. And it's like, I seen Topeka not being ignited, right? Not being ignited to step out. But when you look outside of our houses, when you look at our streets, right? When you look at our educational system, right? When you look at the definition of what it means uh, to be capable and hopeful and envisioning something different, I seen that there was a disconnect in, in District 3. Uh, and so I made a decision that if I wanted us to unite and be whole as a city, changes had to be made in this district. Why not me? So I stepped out there. Hey, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for, for sharing. And one thing we kind of joked about before we got on air, um, you actually do not have a doctorate degree. I gave you a doctorate degree, though, in our last, uh, last time we talked. So you're welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you. You, you and a king gave me a doctorate degree uh, within the same week. I was like, wow, maybe I'm going. I need to Just finish that time. Right. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, you know, getting to, to some of the issues, uh, that have been important that people have talked about. You know, there's been a lot of talk in this year's election about concepts of diversity and equity and inclusion. You know, what are some steps that you think the city council uh, should take to build a more equitable community? And how would you go about assisting that as a city council member? Well, one of the things I, I would say, we recognize that uh, increasingly this city is growing and we're becoming more and more diverse, right? Um, and with saying that, uh, we recognize that there's a priority for our diversity, for our equity, and for our inclusion. There's a there's a alignment that we're going to have to. And so when I look at it, I was like, why not form a committee that goes through our policies that we have in alignment and to make sure that Topeka is proactively engaging as we move forward. Our state is proactively engaging as we move forward. So why not put a committee of community members together go over those policies let's make sure everything's in alignment and be transparent with it right uh, a time's out for us hiding um, this is a position that is paid for by the people so we must operate truly for the people right absolutely absolutely 
Well, and, and I think that there's definitely a lot of energy around that that issue too. And so I, I think y'all you'll probably find there's no shortage of, of people to participate in an effort like that as well. Yes. Um, I actually just took on a position a couple weeks ago with a Y as the racial justice uh, coordinator okay. um, and advocate. So the work is, regardless of the, the positioning, right, the work is it has to get done. Sure. Um, and it's going to get done with steps, but it's going to take more than just one or two of us. It's going to take the community as a whole of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and you know, another hot topic, of course, this year has been infrastructure. Uh, do you feel the city has adequately invested in infrastructure within District 3? And if not, how would you go about changing that? Well, so I look at infrastructure on different levels. Um, a lot of times we talk about the infrastructure of the housing. We talk about the buildings. Um, we talk about what the landscape look like, but we forget to talk about the people within that, right? And so what is the infrastructure of family? Because we can fix up the grounds, but have a broken family and still sustainably not to be able to hold up what we're seeing. Um, and one of the biggest factors that I'm seeing in District 3 when we talk about infrastructure and we're looking at the child care infrastructure within district three we have a lot of mothers we know that the mass majority of mothers are working in a child care field and not getting paid what they should be getting paid for working in that field now on top of that when we flip that as well and, and you talk about that there's a lot of single mothers uh in district three who are the main providers the head of households for their families right and so if we don't have adequate child care within the district how are we going to get mothers out to work to make a living for themselves so we can begin to look at sustainable growth now let's move to looking at the infrastructure uh, as we talk about for the housing in the community we have houses that need work done to them that have been abandoned closed out that we need to do the work for right but we got homeowners we got potential homeowners right here in this community that if we assist them with having a home having a buy-in having ownership they will feel valid dated in the building and enhancing and sustaining of this community. So then we flip to our roads. Now, come on now. <laughs> we plan, we paying property taxes and everything else on the road. So we got to look at this. I'm paying property taxes, but the car getting tore up. Right. Not only am I paying property taxes, right? When you right. when you looking at and you know, and I'm just saying, people are paying. They're invested in this. When people come into our city, they see this. Now, I'm not gonna say our city has not been doing the work, um, but I can say this to you: I feel um, and, and, and connect to. We have people, workers, contractors right here in the city that we need to make sure that they have a the the concrete, the asphalt, whatever it is that they're laying, because you know, Miss Regina don't know all the mixes because that ain't my business. Uh, but when you think about that, we need to get a quality mix of whatever we're pouring because they're they're over and over again going to some of these roads and doing the work, but at the same point the roads are tore right back up. So what type of product is being poured down? We need to put a quality expectation on that. Then when we look at some of these streets we've spent months on right and we've done this work on they still looking raggedy after they're done that means that the work was not quality that was laid out let's get it right if we're going to pay for it as a city we're going to pay for it to be done right 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're, we're paying a lot of money for some of those roads. <laughs> we are. And then when we flip back, let's just be real. When you go out west, in comparison to being over here on the east side, it does not look the same. There's nothing about it that's the same. Um, and we need to get on one accord with that. Because when travelers are coming in, they see the differences. And remember, I said that it's our difference that makes the difference. Not our difference that makes us look broken. Um, and so the, the services that are being provided, whether it is with our kids or it is with our streets or whether it is pouring into our businesses, somebody help me. When you look out and you tell a young person you, you can own a business, but we don't see none over here that belong to people that look like them, right? Um, and I and I, I praise my Hispanic community because they are out there getting it in. Um, but I need to see people, young people of all nationalities need to see people that look like them, that own businesses, need to see people that look like them, that own houses, need to see people that look like them in positions that are able to speak for them. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, I, I think it was really interesting too when you talk about the definition of infrastructure because you know we're certainly seeing that on the national level too as Congress debates an infrastructure bill. You know, the definition of infrastructure that that Congress has taken has been much more expansive than usual. Instead of thinking about just brick and mortar buildings, bridges, that sort of thing, but the conversation's really been about the infrastructure of, of communities and families and that sort of thing. So I think it's it's interesting that our, our conversation has gone that way and I, and I, I think it's good uh, because there, there's more to, than just brick and mortar that, that makes a community yeah when we look at when we talk about infrastructure you can't talk about infrastructure without talking about all the factions that go into infrastructure right you can't talk about we, we have to look at when we talk about in, intersectionality right that's that's a build up that's just the intersectional piece is showing that there are so many pieces that go into that one piece when we talk about child care there's so many pieces that go into that one piece when we talk about mothers being in the field and she's out there working where we have, like I said, a lot of our caregivers are females, right? So just imagine she has an elder person at home that she's taking care of. She has children that need to be taken care of, but we have a bus line that runs every hour. Let's say she doesn't have a car. That means we got to switch something in that and help them, the Topeka Metro, build up where they can meet the needs of all people because if she, if the bus only runs every hour then that means it's going to take her two hours before she ever gets to the location she has to get to so so we have to think about that breakdown in a way where we're meeting the needs of all the people not just a people right that's how we get growth that's how we get sustainability that's how we get young people that want to be back here in the community when you go to Chicago Chicago got a way of transporting all day all night long that's not Topeka. You hear what I'm saying? Um, Chicago got entertainment all day, all all night long. And that's not, I'm using Chicago, but if you go to Memphis, we can go city by city uh, and we'll break it down in areas that see themselves as the metro. Topeka is the capital. We got to change our game. We're not going to change and play ourselves down because we're doing the work to build ourselves up. So that means we got to think futuristic. And I think in some fashions, we keep going back and say well this is how it's always been but it ain't how it always gotta be 
it's time for change. Well, and you've talked about young people a couple of times too, and of, of course in your background, the work that you do, and you've talked about the importance of, of youth programming uh, before. You know, what role do you think the city council plays in providing services and support for young people in the community? I think the finances are available um, through city council to make and, and to put um, order on how we operate with the youth. But we need that those mentoring and um, entrepreneurship program that I've talked about several times and it's going to have to intertwine uh, and when I look at it it cannot only be that we do it over here or it's done over there it has to intersect with the community it has to go into the schools as well and it's going to have to touch the uh, the faith homes uh, within the city as well we are loaded with churches within this community churches different faith temple um, we have to bring everybody in together that that word unity keeps coming up if we're going to help the children in the format that they need help if we're going to pull the best of the potential out of them it's going to take all of us right and that means it's not just going to be in the industry of the schooling or in the government piece we're going to have to come together and lead the conversations city council should be leading the conversations where we're bringing the different factions together to say it's time out for us being divided if we have no youth here we have no city here because the youth are going to be leaving if we don't give them a place to be maintained transformed and impactful at right so let's get the let's get the educational sector on board right let's get the when we talk about college and high school middle school because that's the three areas that it starts being transitioned and transformed at let's get to it right not sit and wait for it it's it's time it's time so that mentoring uh program not only and when we think about mentoring i'm just not talking about from the one that got in trouble let's be proactive in our mentoring i'm not just talking about for the ones that's been doing well we have to wrap around the ones coming out of trouble right because we have some that may not have ever touched a juvenile system if we would have met them where they were when they were in pain we've seen it as a city we seen it as a community we've seen it as family and we've seen it as individuals it's time for change we have to come together and stop it have the conversation in oneness and and let's do it let's step forward Sure. Well, gosh, you know what? The time always flies by on, on this show. You know, we, we've talked about a lot of different things. You know, before we wrap up today, anything else that you want voters to know uh, going into this last week? Um, I will tell them that it's power in their voice. And it's time they choose, make a decision. Um, and make an educated decision, but think about the future of the city. Uh, we've done some things. We've had the status quo. Uh, what's wrong with fresh eyes? It's time that we look out and, and, and have fresh eyes. When we look at Miss Ortiz, Miss Ortiz has been here. She's held in. She's nurtured a baby. But now it's time for the baby to blossom and grow. So let's step forward for change. Get out and vote on November 2nd. And why not vote for Regina Platt? <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you so much again for, for hanging out with us tonight, Regina. Well, thank you for inviting me. 
and, and thank you for nominating me and, and ordaining me as the doctor. <laughs> Absolutely. You may feel free to use that title as you wish. <laughs> doctor. All right. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Well, for folks listening out there, we'll remind you, uh, of course, as we just talked about, to do your research on the candidates. And, and uh, Regina will have a social media, has a social media presence, so you can look her up. And if there's uh, any questions that you want to follow up with her on, of course, I, we encourage you to do that as well. So stay tuned. We are going to switch up gears and we are going to head over to District 5 um, over back in South Central Topeka and talk to Ariane Davis, our bonus candidate that we get to talk to tonight. So that's going to be coming up next. All right, folks, and our next candidate up tonight is actually a candidate running for the District 5 seat. They actually have so many candidates running uh, in that district that we couldn't contain them all to one show. Um, and so there are actually three candidates uh, running in that uh, race. Last week, we heard from uh, Pastor Marcus Clark and Mr. Brett Kell. And tonight, uh, we get to hear from Ariane Davis. Ariane, thanks for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Bruce and Ballard. <laughs> Thank you uh, for hosting this uh, history historic and monumental in such an important uh, section of, of when you talk about politics. So thank you uh, for taking the lead on this for our city. We appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. We're glad to do it. It's been a lot of fun, too. So that, that's helped out also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, as we as we get started tonight, you know, we'll have you tell, tell folks a little bit about yourself, kind of your background. What do you do for a living? Are you to be good native? Those kinds of things. Okay, okay. So I'll start from the beginning. I and my name is Ariane Davis and I am running for District 5 here in the great city of Topeka. I am a native of Topeka and my mother uh, was born and raised here. My father born and raised here. Uh, my mother has retired from the gas company and my okay. father um, retired from the military as well as then went on to retire from Cessna. Um, uh -huh. As far as my personal life, I have seven children. Oh I have one foreign exchange student and she's from Paris, France. Oh my, my children, I know my children ages range from 26 all the way down to nine. Oh my um, I have some out of college, some in college. Uh, my foreign exchange is in high school out at Shawnee Heights. And then my two little ones are in elementary school. Oh my gosh. Um, so I'm pretty busy <laughs> uh, just with that alone. Uh, uh, but my family is really important to me. Um, they're the driving force behind a lot of everything that I do when it comes to my career choices, when it comes to my community work. Um, I want to create an environment that I want to see my kids grow and thrive in. So that's really one of the uh, biggest determinants on why I wanted to run. Um, also, a little bit about me. My background is in telecommunications and leadership. I worked at uh, for about 20 years in that uh, capacity before I then moved over to Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas, where it's all things insurance, of course. Um, there, I was able to uh, do something historic as well. Uh, we created the diversity and inclusion and equity team. I spearheaded that along with my CEO. Um, so um, that's one of my proudest moments uh, that I had 
have uh, here to date. I also do some advocacy work for the YWCA. Um, I do a lot of social and racial justice work. Um, I have my own business now. I am no longer with Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas. Still have their insurance, but <laughs> I um, have my own business now. So I do a lot of um, advising and consulting when it comes to business and financial services. Uh, I also want to send my pro football team. So those are that's a little things about me. Awesome. Very, you know, and so I think you are the I think third candidate we talked to that has five or more kids. Uh, so my goodness. <laughs> you know, I thought it was rare at, at one time. I felt like I was the kind of the odd one out sure. that was a, a big deal. Now I'm seeing people with even more kids than me. So I'm like, oh man, there's a special group for all of us. <laughs> Absolutely. You're, 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 y'all are making up for people like me of no kids. Uh, see, I can be like, yeah, people, people have me covered. So that's good. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, you touched on this a little bit too, but you know, everything else you have going on, what made you decide to want to run for city council? Well, that was one of them I just touched on as far as just creating a, a future and creating a, a space where I feel confident and comfortable with my kids living here. I want them to grow up and I want them to live out their dreams. I want them to be able to to get the career and the job that they want. I want them to be able to, to live the American dream right here in Topeka, Kansas, if they choose to. So I want to make sure that I do everything that I can to make sure that Topeka thrives. Economic growth is there. I want to make sure that the jobs are there. Infrastructure. When it comes to all of those things, I want to make sure that I'm doing my part to pave that way for our children, which is our future. I also want to be the voice of the people who don't have those uh, those voices, the ones that are underserved, the ones who who sometimes get looked over. I want to be the representative for the people right here, not only in my district five, but all throughout Topeka. Well, awesome. Well, very cool. Well, yeah, that, we're gonna uh, from here kind of get into some issue specific questions. And actually, that was a, a perfect lead in uh, to our first <laughs> question. You know, as a, okay. as a city council member, of course, you're you're one of nine. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those things about how would you um, ensure that you can represent the best interests of your district uh, while also acting in the best interests of the community as a whole? I think I have a really good pulse on the community, even before my race. I, I'm a community advocate. I'm on the ground, grassroots, uh, checking the pulse of my community. What what do they need? What are the areas of opportunities within their household, within things that they see on the outside, um, policing relations? You know, it varies from what the needs of those community members are. Um, so I'm a wealth of resource, a wealth of knowledge for those individuals. So I believe that I have come in with a great understanding of our community and specifically here in District 5. So I'm always going to be the advocate for my district and I will always represent them when I sit at that table at those council meetings or when we're a part of those uh, meetings uh, or, or organizations. However, I also believe that Topeka as a whole, we have to make sure we're looking out in the best interest of Topeka. So I'm always willing to make sure I am having those crucial conversations with all of the council members to see where the biggest need is and where the biggest bang is for our buck. So I'm always going to make sure that we take 
everything in consideration when making the decision and prioritizing those needs. Sure, sure, very good. Uh, yeah, this next question uh, focuses on uh, economic growth, which of course has been a, a hot topic these these last few months. Uh, yeah, what kinds of uh, policies or actions do you think the city council should pursue uh, to really foster economic growth, uh, particularly you know the support efforts um, like things in District Five, like the Bring Back the Avenue or Bring Back the Boulevard uh, movie, excuse me, and other things like that. You know, what, how should the city council uh, really kind of facilitate foster economic growth? Yeah, I think when I think of council and when I think about our role, and I, I try to put it in a way to where everyone understands, I believe that we are the thread that weaves through the city. We are the leaders. We are the ones who, um, you know, that resource, the glue that holds everything together and a, a true representative of our city. It's almost like you think of it as if you think of Wizard of Oz, you think of the, the Great Oz. And that's who I believe that we are. But it's our job to make sure that we facilitate and we foster um, those those healthy relationships within our communities, with our small businesses, that we're providing those resources or those organizations or pointing them in the right direction when it comes to that economic growth, when it comes to the grants, when it comes to the incentives, we need to make sure that we're investing in our small businesses, not only in District 5, but all throughout Topeka. So yes, the bring back uh, the boulevard is wonderful. I live right off the boulevard. And so I love to see all the work that's being done. I, it, it makes me proud. And it's a sense of uh, a sense of togetherness that the community has rallied around this project. And I believe if we take that same effort um, when it comes to the infrastructure, um, when it comes to small business development, when it comes to, to investing in our youth, I believe that's a collaborative effort that we all have to make sure that we're taking stake in making Topeka the best that we can. Awesome. Well, and, and speaking of making Topeka the best we can, you know, the city found out some good news uh, not too long ago. They are going to be uh, the recipients of about $45 million in funds through the American Rescue Plan. So, of course, the, the question now is how do we spend that money? And so, you know, as you think about that, you know, how do you think the city should approach, you know, how they spend that, how they invest those dollars over the next couple of years? Okay, absolutely. I believe that you know, there was something that um, has come out about potentially 1.5 million of that being used for social services. I'm a proponent of that. I, I encourage that. I've actually been leading the way when it comes to getting extra dollars, extra funds for the social services here in Topeka. Um, so I, I'm huge on that and I was excited to hear about that and I hope that the follow through is there and I'm able to, to potentially lead the way or pick up the baton if I was to be voted into office on November 2nd. Um, I also believe that infrastructure is huge. I know that, you know, this sounds like, you know, you're talking the same talk, but it's it's truly one of the biggest concerns when I go door to door or when I'm taking phone calls from constituents. Um, I have constituents talking about the infrastructure and how poor it is when it comes to the roads. And not only that, I just got off of a phone call yesterday with a constituent 
constituent who is having infrastructure issues when it comes to the water. Um, she, it's not livable right now, brown water when she runs it. So it's just not, she, it's a second property of hers, but she can't do anything with it. She can't rent it out. She can't lease it because it's deemed hazardous. So you hear about that in so many areas when it is intensive care, especially in some of these uh, hot pockets here in District 5. So my focus would be putting that money, inject that money into our infrastructure. I believe that should be priority number one. Sure, sure. And then uh, a last you know, kind of issue specific question we have is uh, you know, another topic that's been uh, discussed a lot recently. Uh, what do you think the city council should be doing to uh, really help work on improving relationships between law enforcement and citizens? Okay, yes. Uh, you know, if you follow me throughout the course of my community work, I've led the way on that. I was a part of the SPCP, which is the Strengthening Police and Community Partnership Committee. Our job was to bridge that gap, to be kind of the thread between the police department and the community. Um, I can tell you that one thing that I've heard um, from the captain and others in the police department is that they're, uh, they do have community police officers. There's not that many there. And the ones that are there, they are overworked when it comes to police calls. So they can't truly be in that space of being a community police officer because they're being called out for different, uh, for other calls. So I truly believe that putting the focus, putting some of those funds into designated police officers, um, that way they can go into the community, start building these relationships, connecting with them. That is a police that's going to, I believe, help when it comes to one, helping with the crime levels, two, potentially helping with bringing on people to the police force, because right now we're doing a lot of hiring outside of our city. So I believe if we start building those relationships, it's going to help in more ways than one. Awesome. Very good. Well, yeah, we've talked about a, a lot of things tonight. Well, you know, thinking of the, we're just a couple of days out from election day, you know, anything else you'd <laughs> like uh, voters to know? I just would like everyone to know that I love my community. I am inspired by so many different people here in our community. And I think that we have all the ingredients to make it to peak of the very best that it can be. It's moving from good to great. You know, we got a lot of great things going on with the Momentum 2020. I think we have a lot of the revitalization going on in downtown. It's about taking those same big ideas and bridging those over to different districts so that we all feel that Momentum 20. So my District 5, you know, if we see markets going up in District 5, you know, there's food deserts all throughout District 5, District 3, and, and some essential. So it would be really great if we all felt that Momentum 2020 throughout all of Topeka. So that's what I'm going to strive to do if given the opportunity to be the elected official for District 5 City Council. 
Awesome. Well, good stuff. Well, thank you. So, yo, it's, it's funny when we talk about my man. I think now we're on to like, well, man, 2027. We're just I moving. Know. It's crazy. I know. I know. I saw that. I know. Good I'm excited stuff. about that. I'm, I'm so excited about that and look forward to just what every, all the, there's such a, a movement here in Topeka, such excitement. And you, you feel the energy that's coming from so many people. And I, I believe that there's so many people that want to do some great things. I think having those people in the right spaces at the right time is really going to be the driving force to making Topeka the, the best it can be. Absolutely. Well, Ariane, thanks again for, for carving out some time in this, this busy last week uh, before election night for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you so much, Angel. Thank you for having me, Brews and Ballads. Thank you, 785 Magazine. Thank you to the city of Topeka. And thank you for the voters that are already voted in advance ballot or in advance uh, ballots. And then also the ones that will be going November 2nd. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, stay tuned, folks. We're going to take a quick break. And then afterwards, we'll be back with our final candidate of the night, Neil Dobler from District 7. So stay tuned. You're listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSEF. 785 Live Radio. All right, folks, and last but certainly not least, our final interview for tonight and our final candy interview before Election Day, if you can believe it, we are excited to be joined by Councilman Neil Dobler, the incumbent running for the District 7 uh, Council seat. So we've talked about Districts 3 and 5 so far tonight. Now we're going to finish up with District 7. Uh, as a reminder, being that district that includes really a good chunk of Southwest Topeka, it includes uh, most things that are kind of south and west of the 29th and Gage area to kind of give you some geographic reference for where we're at in the community. And so we are excited to, to have you here, Neil. Thanks for joining us. You bet, Angel. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, as we get started tonight, again, for those that uh, that you may not have had a chance to meet before, can you talk just a little bit about kind of your, your background, what you do for a living, those kinds of things? Uh, sure. I'm a, uh, an engineer by trade. Um, work for Bartlett and West here in Topeka. I've been here for about... Uh, been at Barlin West for about 15 years. Uh, I've been in Topeka for almost 33 years now. It's hard to believe, but uh, actually uh, came to Topeka with every intention of getting to Kansas City. That's kind of where we wanted to go. And and uh, 33 years later, I'm still here, and I don't think I'll go to Kansas City. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah, we're we're, we're yeah. glad that, that you stayed here. That stayed here as well. Uh, and you know, of course, you've had had good things going on at, at Bartland West. I know you've been involved in, in other boards in the the community as well. And then you know, you had the chance to to initially be appointed uh, to this uh, city council seat to fill a vacancy uh, that came up. But now you've decided to to run for it on your own. Yeah, what made you decide? to want to stick around and run again? Yeah, great question, Angel. I I did get appointed almost uh, exactly two years ago in November of 2019. Um, Aaron Mays moved over to the county. Uh, He's doing a great job there, by the way. Um, And I I had an opportunity to uh, appear before the council and and get appointed. Um, And I really didn't know what... uh, you know, what I would do in a couple of years. So it took me a, about a year to figure out. And, you know, there's, there's some things I've uh, been involved in. We're going to talk about a few of them here, I think this evening. Um, and I have more that I want to do. I think like 
probably the other incumbents that are running again. You just, you get involved in things and you see so much that needs to be done. Um, and that's why I'm running. Well, awesome. Well, yeah, we're going to, we're going to get right into uh, some of those issues. You know, a couple of things that we wanted to talk about tonight. You know, first off, there's been a lot of talk um, about making it easier for small businesses to, to open and do business in the city of Topeka. And I know that's something that, that you've been involved with as well. You know, what do you think the city council should be doing to, to make that possible? You know, it's a it's a huge question and, and it's easy to point to specific things like, say, you know, we need more streamlined development services. We need uh, more uh, business friendly building inspection or something like that. And, yeah, that's true. I mean, we do need to make sure that that our customer service from the city side is as efficient uh, as it can be. But really, the big the big issue, I think, for small businesses and for businesses of any size in Topeka is, you know, we need to have infrastructure that works. We need to have streets that are in great condition. Uh, we need to have public safety that uh, that's working well. Um, and we need to have a community that's growing um, because if you're a, a new business starting and there's no growth, uh, you're just competing for a market that's already there. So, you know, there's specific things we can do to make it easier for folks to start and run a business here. But the big picture things are we need to make this community grow. Sure, sure. Yeah, kind of that the kind of holistic idea of, of, of thinking about how we how we can support businesses in that way. Well, exactly. And, and you touched on, on infrastructure, and this has also been kind of a, a hot topic uh, in this this election. And of course, something I know you have some professional experience with. Uh, you know, what do you think are the the most kind of important projects or tasks for the council to consider over, say, the next five years when it's related to working on improving our infrastructure? <laughs> Yeah, great question. Um, we're making some real headway. Uh, you know, we've had the citywide uh, sales tax, half cent sales tax for street improvements in place for several years, I think since 2009. Uh, and I think we're starting to see, you know, we, we neglected, uh, financially neglected the infrastructure, the streets in particular for so long that it's just taken a long, long time to catch up. Uh, but I'm really pleased this year with a number of, of resurfacing projects I've seen in my district and other districts. Um, I think it, it continue, the key continues to be the efficiency use of that uh, that street fund and it's about 14 million dollars a year so it's it's not insignificant um, we need to continue to improve our water system um, we hear about it all the time there's there's a lot of water main breaks in this town uh, a lot of our system is old and needs to be replaced um, and again I think we're we're making some headway there um, my biggest concern really on the infrastructure side is, you know, we continue to finance uh, improvements to the infrastructure, which is, you know, it's the way the city has to do it. Uh, but we're approaching a point, particularly with the the uh, revenue bonding on the on the utility side where we, we have really got to be careful about how much money we're borrowing. Uh, so that's that's going to be one of my assuming I'm back in in this seat uh, the first of the year. Um, that's going to be one of my major uh, 
focal points is to look at, you know, the, the process. And I'm going to get a little lengthy here, Angel, but um, I saw it from the staff side and, you know, it always makes sense. You have projects that need to get get done. It's going to cost this much. You go to the council and and assume that they're going to approve it. And they usually do. But from the council side, I've seen, you know, the CIP, the capital improvement uh, budget comes in front of the council. And those are for projects that some of them are three, four years down the road. Um, you know, you approve that and then three or four years later, the project appears and right after that, uh, you're asked to approve bonding to, to pay for that project. Um, and then a couple of years later, uh, you have to pay the piper. You know, you're, you're asked to raise water rates, for instance, to pay for the, you know, pay for the projects that you approve maybe three or four years ago. And I think we need a better way for the council to be able to look at you know, what I approve today is going to affect us three or four years down the road. Um, you know, whether it's increase in taxes or water rates or whatever. Um, and we're just not able to see that whole picture right now. Sure, sure. You know, I, I think it's it always reminds me of this. It was a, a, almost kind of a funny moment that happened at a council meeting a couple months ago, where as, as you guys were going through the CIP and, and there was, I think, a little bit of confusion about rather whether we had actually already paid for something that was up for approval. Again, I think part of it gets to that process when there's a little bit of attenuation there, a little bit of distance between the project and, and paying for it. Sometimes people, I think, might lose track of, of where things are in the process. Exactly. And it's a huge budget, you know, yeah. it's hundreds of millions of dollars. It's a 250 page document. It's just a lot to absorb. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you know, speaking of the, the work that you have going on, you also sit on the city council's public health and safety committee. And so I know one of the things that committee is working on is broadband access. And this is something that I think a lot of folks uh, may not, may not know as much about. Can you talk a little bit about what that committee is doing and what do you hope the council is able to talk accomplish with that issue yeah uh, it's it's something that I've really uh had an interest in, and I guess it, it kind of comes from, you know, my wife is works with, uh, with elementary ed and, and when the pandemic started, she talked about schools where, you know, they were having to, to, uh, kids were having to, to do their, uh, schoolwork remotely from home. And you'd have, you know, in some families, you might have three or four kids trying to trying to do their work on, on one cell phone or something like that. And so we started started looking at what, you know, what is access to really good internet, broadband internet look like? And I walked into the discussion convinced that we needed to talk about infrastructure. We needed to figure out how to get more fiber, uh, you know, to, to some of the neighborhoods in Topeka. Uh, what I found out was we really have the infrastructure between uh, Cox Communication and AT&T. There is pretty much fiber to every, every neighborhood in Topeka. 
um, the issue is getting from the, you know, the fiber at the curb into the house. And, you know, what we've, what we found is there's, you know, there's families that, uh, don't have the, you know, don't have the computers, don't have the routers, the, uh, maybe the know-how. I mean, it's, it's a little bit daunting for people over 40 and I'm certainly in that boat. Um, and so it really becomes a, a question of, of not access to broadband, but the ability to to make use of it. Uh, one interesting thing we found was, you know, a lot of a lot of parents still had to work, even though uh, the pandemic was going on and their kids were at home. So a lot of kids staying with their grandparents, and in you know, in that case, uh, you know, maybe the grandparents didn't have a, a computer in their house, uh, so. That's really what we've we've been focused on, and and you know we we got the discussion started in the public health and safety committee, but there is a group that that really I'm not part of anymore. Uh, Five hundred one um, has has taken a kind of a lead role. Uh, Lazone Gray, who is who has spent many many years talking about this issue, uh, is has really provided just just a lot of leadership there. Um, and they're looking at, you know, ways to get devices into people's hands, ways to enhance wireless, um, all those kind of things. And, and really, a lot of it just boils down to helping people find the resources that are already there. Um, it's it's referred to as a digital navigator, but it's really somebody that you can just call up and say, "Hey, my, you know, we need we need help with a router or something," and they're gonna uh, find find some help for you. So, um, yeah, there's I, I think we'll see probably some of the ARA um, funding uh, going towards that. Not a lot, but just a little bit that's going to help. There's already been some uh, state grants that have have been procured. Uh, so been a lot of progress. And again, it's not, it's not the city so much that's doing, we kind of facilitated kicking this off, but uh, uh, lots of other folks have been involved. Sure. Yeah. Kind of a good example of that. You know, we've had a lot of talk. Uh, I know what I can't see about this kind of idea of public private partnerships on, on a lot of things. And, and I, I've heard that come up a lot. And I think the other has been lots of examples of that things that the city can help facilitate at times and, and help contribute maybe their piece of it. But then there's a, a, another piece that's uh, on the public side um, to, to handle as well. Exactly. Well, very good. Well, yeah, we are, gosh, we are just a couple days out from election day. So as we wrap up to anything else that you would like uh, voters to know. You know, I, I probably just go back and hit on the, on the, the points that I try to make. And that's, we need to continue to, to have excellent streets. Uh, you know, we need good public safety, both police and fire. And I support both those agencies in a big way. Um, but maybe the most important topic that we need to think about right now is, is growth. And, you know, we, we had, a. Uh, we had the census numbers that came out a few months ago and of the top 10 cities in Kansas, um, only two lost population and Topeka was one of those. We just can't 
can't continue down that path. Uh, we slipped from the fourth largest city to the fifth largest city, um, and we're likely to be the sixth or seventh in the next census if if we continue on this trajectory. So um, we need to figure it out, and that's you know that's all kinds of things. It's not just a single answer. It's it's redeveloping the the core of Topeka where the infrastructure already exists. It's uh, higher end housing on the outskirts. Uh, and it really it's it's creating an environment where people who work here want to live here. Uh, so I guess that's the the message I would continue to uh, send to the voters. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, Neil, I know, again, it's a busy time of year. So thanks again for, for hanging out with us tonight. You bet. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, best best of luck in the in the days to come. Thanks so much, Angel. Hey, absolutely. And and for folks listening out there, that that is it for our candidates. So we, again, I want to encourage you, as we always do, to reach out. If you've heard something uh, that a candidate says that you want to know more about or ask more about, we encourage you to reach out to them, to ask them, follow their social media pages, reach out to them on there as well. Uh, And we'll, again, on our social media, of course, be posting the links to where you can find all that information on our candidates as well. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, um, and then we'll be back with all the last-minute reminders you need to know about going into election day. Uh, remember, you're listening to Bouts and Brews here on KSF 785 Live Radio. All right, everyone. Well, this is it. You can hear the final countdown playing in the background. Just five days left until Election Day. Uh, so uh, we've got some final reminders for you going into Election Day. First off, some dates and times to know. Uh, in-person advanced voting at the Shawnee County Election Office. That's at 3420 Southwest Van Buren. Uh, that goes on tomorrow, Friday, from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then it ends at noon on Monday. Uh, so if you're listening to us on Thursday or if you're listening to us that next day on Friday, you've got until 6 p.m. Uh, that Friday the 29th to go to the election office in person. And then that following Monday, you've just gotten to noon uh, to get your, your happy self over there to vote in person in advance. So if you've, if you've got some big appointment on election days, you're going to get the dog shampooed or whatever uh, on election day you've got going on. Um, you can still uh, vote in advance until noon on Monday the 1st at the election office. Uh, for those of you super fancy people that have the mail-in ballots um, that you request in advance. A reminder that those are due, your mail-in ballots are due um, back either to the election office or your local polling place by 7 p.m. on election day. Uh, Make sure as you look at that mail-in ballot that you follow all the directions on there, just like it's just like in school. Make sure you follow the directions. Make sure you sign it. That's that been a big issue before uh, with mail-in ballots. People turn them in and they forget to sign them. So make sure to sign them and follow those directions on there and again, turn back to the election office or to your polling place by 7 p.m. on election night. Uh, for those people that are kicking it old school like me um, and voting on election day, some things to remember. Polls will be open next Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. If you're in line at 7 p.m., you still will be allowed to vote. Hopefully there is a line. This is like the only time in my life that I'm ever okay of waiting in line is for elections. Like like the Hy-Vee grocery line? No. Like waiting to go to a concert? No. Like for, for voting for 
election says at one time I am okay uh, with voting with uh, standing in line. Uh, remember, no electioneering is allowed. Uh, that is a fancy word for uh, don't wear your vote Neil McKenzie for Willard City Council t-shirt to the polling place. Um, I have no idea who Neil McKenzie is. I'm sure he's perfectly qualified to sit on the Willard City Council, uh, but you cannot wear any paraphernalia that advocates for a particular candidate at a polling site. Uh, remember your ID. Remember, you've got to bring that ID with you to the polling place. I promise no one will judge you for it. I look like a, disgr- a disgruntled walrus in my ID picture, and it's totally fine. I show it and, and don't have a problem. So make sure to bring your ID with you. If something happens, uh, say maybe you show up at the wrong polling place, you get really excited, maybe you show up at the wrong place or there's some other kind of issue, uh, they may ask you to vote on a provisional ballot. Uh, Again, a provisional ballot is just if there's some kind of issue uh, that comes up. Uh, that is okay. You can still vote on that provisional ballot. All that means when it's provisional is that it's subject to an extra review uh, by the Board of Canvassers, which is the county commission. Uh, they review those ballots uh, the week following election day to determine which ballots will count. And oftentimes those ballots do often end up counting. Sometimes it's people that make a mistake like simply going to the wrong polling place or some other kind of clerical error. And, and on review later, oftentimes the Board of Canvassers adds those votes in. Uh, so if you do get off for the provisional ballot is not the end of the world. Make sure to still complete it and get it turned in because there's a good chance that it could still uh, still end up counting. Um, now, of course, we want to be informed voters. So in terms of where to get your voter information, uh, of course, by listening to us tonight, you all are already one step ahead because you all are already smart folks. Um, you can also head to our social media pages. We're on Facebook and uh, Twitter or go to 785live.com or your podcast app to find all of our past episodes uh, with candidates so you can get caught up on all the candidates running for for local office. Um, I also encourage you to check out cjonline.com, the Capitol Journal's website. If you search voter guide in their search function, you'll get answers to candidates voter guide questions on there. Uh, You can also check out vote411.org. That's vote411.org. You can enter your zip code in and they give you a really cool uh, uh, rundown of who all is running for what office in your area, who uh, who are the people that represent at you and they have candidate questionnaires there that candidates can complete so you can review on um, the answers to those candidate questionnaires for those that have submitted them uh, you can also go to vote.785.com and that's 785 all spelled out so vote.785.com um, and you can see the online uh, candidate guide that's prepared as a joint project of four gym professionals and uh, 785 magazine and you can see candidates responses uh, to those questions as well and of course, as we mentioned before, a lot of these candidates have social media pages. Uh, so you can Google, or excuse me, you can look up uh, so-and-so for Topeka or so-and-so for City Council and find quite a few of these folks on, uh, on Facebook. And so I encourage you to look them up as well. So there you have, folks. All that's left now is the voting. And now remember, again, less than 20%, less than 20,000 people cast votes in the primary election. Uh, That means less than 20,000 people made a decision that impacts more than 100,000 people. We can and we have to do better than that. And it starts with us. So get out there and make your voice heard next Tuesday. That is it for our show tonight. As always, be sure to look us up on social media and or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, Until next week, please, please, please stay safe, wear your mask, get your vaccine, do all those things we know we're supposed to do. And we'll see you back next week right here on Balance and Brews on KSF 785 Live Radio.
some other 